God bless you. Let's pray and we're going to get into the word tonight. God, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing, how you've blessed us, caused us to understand you even the better and to live in these difficult days that we live in with joy and gladness, knowing that you are our God and we are your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been working on the theme, living faith in stressful times. Living faith in stressful times. I've been working through some passages in the book of Genesis as a part of this, and so I want to go back to that. And if you open up your Bibles tonight to Genesis chapter 30 and chapter 31, we're going to pick through a few things as we discuss this idea of living faith in stressful times. We particularly are looking at the life of, of this young man who has battled and has become, I think in some ways, bitter, who has been bruised by life um, through many decisions he made of himself. But at the same time, he is completely blessed. He's blessed. Everything he touches is blessed. God blesses his household, his family. He's walking around as a vessel for blessings for not only himself, but for others. And, and in the midst of all of this, he still has the baggage of his own guilt, the baggage of his own sin, if you will, the baggage of the trickery with which he had deceptively taken the birthright and the blessing from his brother. So Jacob has that baggage. But while carrying the baggage, he yet has a theophany experience where he sees God or views God in some form or fashion. He yet has an experience where God makes an agreement with him and a covenant renewal with him as he had done with Abraham and even with his father. And now he is in this land of Laban, where Laban is, and he is struggling in his household. And when we pick the story up now, we're picking up almost 13, 14 years into this story. And, and this struggle is going on, living this, his faith there. And what I want to remind you of something I said last week. He's dealing with consequences. He has been a trickster, so he has been strict. He has been a deceiver, so he's been deceived. And everything he's done has come back to him. God has not blocked it. God didn't, you know, you know, we love that song, God blocked it, he wouldn't let it be so. Well, there's some things that God doesn't block. You know, um, I, I asked the question one time, what if God says no? And that, that question I asked around the three Hebrew boys uh, going into the fiery furnace, they're praying, God deliver us, but if not, we know you're able and apparently the answer from God is no. God didn't block it. They went in and came out on the other side. There's a way in which there are some things we're going to go through that we've got to learn how to manage. Some of which are not the cross that we are bearing, but the crop that we are having to deal with. Things, the seeds that we've sown. 
I, you know, we love the song, I got a seed in the ground. And I love that, that part. The only problem is not all of my seeds have been good seeds. Some seeds I wish I'd never sown. And that's one thing that we have to understand. So I said last week, I'm gonna repeat again, consequences, while not conclusive, their effects are one aspect of existential reality. <clears throat> consequences, while not conclusive, their effects are one aspect of existential reality. So when I say not conclusive, I'm simply saying, just because I have to deal with a consequence doesn't pronounce the failure end of my life. I may have to go through something, but it doesn't mean that God has abandoned me, doesn't mean that God's left me, doesn't mean my anointing's left, it just means I'm dealing with a consequence. And, but it does not, it does not speak conclusively about what I am and who I am. It's one part of my existential reality. Consequences are reality to be experienced, but they do not predict future outcomes. Consequences are reality to be experienced, but they do not predict future outcomes. I'll make it on a broader scale, just make this clear. Um, we're dealing now with the consequence of the proliferation of machines, the proliferation of smog caused by engines, the proliferation of pollution caused by plastics in the, in the ocean, which are getting into the systems of sea animals and sea creatures, both large whales down to sea turtles. We're living now where we have a world that would be so simple as to burn part of the Amazon rainforest to build bigger buildings. Not realizing that trees are the lungs of the earth. We're living in a world now that has more uh, factories. Sometimes you go through certain cities on the Jersey Shore and you can see the billowing smoke from factories. We've got factories putting smoke and fog up in the air. And you can see the billowing factories. I'm not just talking about them. Every kind of manufacturing we can do. We've got coal mines. We've got all kinds of dirty fuels. And what we have is, and there's no, nothing against coal or, or, or whatever, because when I was a kid, I went to a church that had a pot belly stove and you shovel coal in it. Come on. The, the truth of the matter is that all of these things have taken a toll on the earth. And we are dealing now with the consequences of the proliferation of man's non-care of the earth. We were given dominion over the earth. And since this earth really is nestled inside of a bubble that is the ionosphere, troposphere, stratosphere that holds us in place with this oxygenated bubble, all of these gases have nowhere to go. All of these fumes have nowhere to go. So we're polluting our own earth. The earth is warming now. The, the, the sun rays are coming through. The, the breaks in our ozone layers. We, we, are, we are polluting ourselves and we are all dealing with the consequences. Everybody's wondering now, you've never heard as much about preparing for hurricane season 
as you're hearing now. Why? Because we realize global warming also means warmer oceans. It means greater and more difficult hurricanes. Consequences. But those consequences do not have to be as bad as they can be if we take control over the earth now and take control of our usage of the planet now. You know, <clears throat> it's funny, before the Olympics one year, they, they stopped all the cars from moving through one of the cities, and when they did, the air, which was almost completely fogged and gray because of pollutants in the air, as they stopped mass transit and all the vehicles, the air cleared up, which says that my consequences don't ever have to be conclusive, and a part of that is even thinking as stewards of the earth. Wow. You know, that, that's, that, that's that, that, that wonderful Bethel teaching that we try to teach people about harmony with God, harmony with nature, harmony with self, and harmony with others. We have to learn how to live in harmony with this earth. And right now we're out of harmony and we're dealing with the consequences. That's why I believe there'll be more pandemics because we're out of balance with the earth. Some things that would have been absorbed in the animal kingdom, the animal kingdom has been diminished by overpopulation. Well, what we have now is we have the reality that consequences are, are, are reality to be experienced, but they don't have to predict future outcomes. What we know is about Jacob in this text, we realize something important here that Jacob, while under the umbrella of his consequences or carrying the baggage of it, it is Jacob's favor that is dri the, the driving force for Laban's prosperity. Even while he himself is experiencing the consequences of his trickery. It's his favor. It's the blessing upon his life. And because of that blessing on his life, which was not lost by his bad deeds, because of that favor, Laban prospers. You have to realize there are some things you can't change, but you can learn to live with. Some things you can't change, but you can learn to live with. You can learn how to, how, to, how to deal with a world that is not always in your mind fair, but if you really understood some of what you have put in the universe may be more fair than you even realize. So I want to talk about Jacob again. I want to talk about his situation. I want to talk about where he is emotionally. Because I do think that that he is emotionally scarred, he is damaged, he, he, is, he is upset, he, he's going on his life as though everything is everything, but at the same time, I want you to get, the first thing I want you to understand about Jacob tonight is that he is unwittingly damaged. Verse 30 of chapter 29 says, Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served Laban still another seven years. Now the trickery was, 
Laban gave him Leah for a wife when he thought he was getting Rachel. Later on, Laban brought Rachel to him as a wife. But he is in a position now where he has two wives and two maids or concubines that are working for these wives. He's got four women in his life, but he's miserable because he's got somebody attached to him that he doesn't want to be attached to. And he is unwittingly damaged. He's damaged from having mistreated his brother. He's damaged from having lied to his father. He's damaged from having a mother who was as treacherous, as treacherous and deceit, deceitful as he is. He, is. he is unwittingly damaged. And let me help somebody here. You need to own the fact sometime, and this is not easy, own the fact that there are some things in your life that may have damaged you. No, you're not dead. It's not over. You're not defeated. But you've been through some stuff. You know, you, you, were, you were with a, a, a spouse that abused you. There's a damage to that. You were with a person you dated for a long time, thought you were going to marry, and when you got ready to get married, you found out he, was, he or she was marrying someone else. You, you, were, you were in a relationship, or maybe you never had a good relationship with your parents, your mother or your father. And so, young lady, you're going around trying to find love in men that, that you would have gotten from a loving, kind father. Maybe, young man, you're trying to find love in women that you would have gotten from a benevolent, kind-hearted mother. Maybe you are damaged because somebody put you in a situation that you can't handle. Sadly, I heard a, a, a pastor, great gifted musician, singer, said he doesn't know if he'd ever be able to marry. Why, sir? Why won't you ever be able to marry? Well, he, he's, he's wondering whether he'll ever be married because he doesn't know how to be in relationship. He was damaged in childhood through abuse. Somebody introduced him into an, an, an intimacy that he was not prepared for, and he damaged him. And now this broken person is trying to enter into relationship with a whole person, bringing their brokenness unrepaired. But if you can admit to being damaged, if you can, can, can get a hold of it, then you can start working on you and make you whole. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Since Regina, you hit it on the head. His mother's favoritism damaged him as well. You can make you whole. And once you make yourself whole, you can enter into relationship. One is a whole number. And if you're not whole, it's hard to be in relationship. You know, sometimes we go through things in life. You could have been wounded in college or wounded in high school or wounded when you were younger. Someone could have told you you were too tall, too skinny, too fat, too this, too that, too the other, not smart enough. And because of the damage that was done then, you can almost point back to the day you stopped trying. You stopped trying. Someone said something about your hair, you stopped trying to do it. You stopped trying to get a style. You stop trying. 
Some said something about your shoes. You shouldn't be wearing those high heels. You stopped even trying to get shoes that fit, that fit right. But no, because they damaged you. And you've got to discover that damage and work on it because Jacob's damage will also be a part of the damaging of his family because he carries those wounds of favoritism into his marriage so that Rachel becomes favored and Leah becomes unfavored. Rachel becomes loved and Leah becomes unloved and he is carrying the damages from what has happened to him and now this man can't be the kind of husband, father, friend he should be because he's damaged. <clears throat> it's hard for him to be what God wants him to be. And as a result of that, as a result of that, second thing I want you to see about this text, and I'm working through Genesis chapter 30, and I'm in this section here, 14 through 21. Jacob now is also unapologetically distanced. Unapologetically distanced. Here's the scripture says, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must sleep with me tonight, for I have in fact hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he slept with her that night. Wait a minute. Leah was his first wife, the older sibling. And in this text, she says, I hired you as though I have paid for your services. So you come on in, Mr. Gigolo, and be with me tonight. No, you might have been supposed to be going over there to Rachel's house, but Rachel sold you tonight to me. You belong to me today. Y'all missed it. I'm trying to help you here. What's really interesting is a couple of things. Let me, let me break this down for you. This is going to mess with you tonight. He must have been so distant from Leah that Leah thought the only way to get him in her bed was to make a deal to get him in her bed. He must have been so distant from her that she had to go ahead and say, look, look, Rachel, I'll make a deal with you. If you want some of this, you give me some of that. I'm sorry, that might didn't come out right. You, 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 stay with me tonight, stay with me. It's interesting to see what is taking place. Look, look at the text. Drop down to verse 14, I'm in chapter 30, and I'm down to verse 14. Look at the text. Now at the time of wheat harvest, Reuben, notice who he is. He's the eldest child went and found some mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother. Now, he, he, doesn't, he does, has not planted mandrakes. He's found these wild mandrakes. But Leah answered, and then, then Rachel said to Leah, sister said to sister, which listen for the familiarity here, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But Leah answered, is it a small thing that you have taken my husband? Would you also, would you take away my son's mandrakes also? 
So Rachel said, Jacob shall sleep with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came in from the field that evening, then the text I read earlier. Wait a minute. This is interesting because she is bargaining over these mandrakes. She wants them so bad that she's willing to give up her boo to her older sister to get the mandrakes. Now, older sister is going to get pregnant and she thinks that's gonna make the relationship better, but let me just say it again, relationships never improve because one makes children. You just in introduce people into a situation that they had nothing to do with, but now they gotta deal with your issues. Let me just keep going here. I, I wanted to understand what made these mandrakes so important that you would go ahead and do this, and why would you think that it was so valuable? Because apparently Leah understands the value of them. She's like, why would I ever give you my boy's mandrakes? Why you want to, you, you, you already got my husband, now you want my mandrakes, you got my husband, now you want my mandrakes, you got my husband, now you want, I don't understand, I, I, I know. Well, understand, two things are happening at this time. At this time, Leah has stopped conceiving, or she was no longer bearing children. At this time, Rachel wants to have children. And these mandrakes are kind of aphrodisiac. Yeah, y'all. I'm going there. The, the, the Arabs called them devil's apples, but the Greeks called them the love apple. Yet yeah, it, it was thought that it enhanced a woman's chance at fertility. And so, <laughs> you're right, sis. It, this does sound like an episode of Peyton Place. Listen, it, it, it enhanced a woman's opportunity for fertility. And what's interesting about it is that this, 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 this plant was such a shape that when you looked at this dark root, it resembled the, the lower torso of the human form. In other words, it had, you got it, which probably contributed a, a little bit to, around to people thinking that it had sensual power. I think they probably heard Marvin Gaye before Marvin Gaye did. They thought it could bring sexual healing. They, they thought it would be like magic. They thought it had some kind of potency. And so the bargain is made, but notice now, watch this, I'm gonna blow your mind early, I'm gonna give you the ending before we get to it. Notice who brings the mandrakes. Reuben, who is what? The eldest son. Later on in the text, you're going to find out that Rachel is going to get pregnant and she's going to get pregnant with who? Joseph. And just as, as the father Jacob has gotten the birthright away from his brother, so too will Joseph, way down the line, be elevated into a place of power over Reuben and everyone else. Whew. 
I know this. I'm going deep. I'm going deep. Stay with me, y'all. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. So, so he is distant. And I do think that his distancing comes from that, 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 that fact that he's damaged. He's distant from his wife. He's distant from this woman. And yet they keep trying to get his attention, bringing to him these, uh, their, their, their maids, their handmaidens. And they're bringing their handmaidens <clears throat> in what is really the handmaid's tale before the handmaid's tale was ever made a movie. Because they think that if their maid has a baby for them, the surrogacy gave them children. And so they would have be there with the maid and would have the maid in between their legs at the knee so that the baby would be conceived and be brought forth as their own. And they were the ones that got to name the children, even the children of their handmaidens. Wow. Okay. I know I'm going deep. I know I'm way down here. So stay with me. I'm going down even deeper in the woods. So I said that he was unwittingly damaged. I then told you that he was, he was unapologetically distant. You notice he doesn't say anything. There's no words from him in this text to, uh, to this woman. Leah, I'm sorry I haven't had time to be with you. I'm sorry I've been busy in the field. Nothing. He just, he realizes some arrangement has been made. And so instead of going to Rachel's tent where he probably went every night, he goes now to over here to Leah's tent. And of course we know what happened because we have children to talk about. The next thing is, as he is experiencing life, he continues to have one issue. Because he's a deceiver, he continues to be deceived by others. Because he's a deceiver, he continues to be deceived by others. And in this particular text now, as we press on, he is unquestionably deceived. Unquestionably deceived. Verse 35 has it there. So on the same day, Laban secretly removed the male goats that were streaked and spotted and all the female goats. <clears throat> now, this is interesting here because what you have now is, is, is interesting because what, what takes place is he realizes it's time to go. He realizes, verse 25 says, now when Rachel had given birth to Joseph, Jacob says to, to, to him, says to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. He said, give me my wives, give me my children, send me away. And Laban begins to strike up a deal. Now what Laban does is, Laban makes a deal that he thinks will work in his favor. Now remember he's prospered because Jacob has been there. What Laban does is, he says to him, I know that I prosper because you're there. He, he says, but if I have found favor in your sight, stay with me. I've learned from omens of divination and by experience that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He said, name your wages. 
and I'll give them to you. Verse 29, Jacob answers, you know I've served you, how your possessions, your cattle, your sheep, your goats have fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased and multiplied abundantly. Wherever I turn, but now, when I provide, when shall I provide for my household? Laban asked, what shall I give you? Now he makes an arrangement. I'm not going to read all this because I really want you to read the text for yourself. He says, I want to go ahead. You give me the speckled and spotted sheep and every dark or black one among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats and those shall be my wages. So he says, verse 33, he says, look, he says, if you find another of the lambs or sheep in my, in my pot that's not speckled or spotted or dark, it'll be considered stolen. Now, that seems like a reasonable deal because you can always pick out speckled, spotted, dark. Speckled, spotted, dark. Speckled, spotted, dark. Speckled, spotted, dark. You can get that. So it seems like it would work. Except for he's a deceiver, still under the consequences of his earlier deception. So now the, the trickster's going to get tricked. Verse 35 gives you the trick. Laban secretly removed the male goats that were streaked and spotted and all of the female goats. In other words, everything Jacob asked for, Laban took it. And verse 36 says, he gave it to his sons and they took it a three days journey away. Oh, good golly, Miss Molly. He has been deceived again. Now, you gotta know something. You can deceive him and you can play deceptive and tricky. And that's a part of what is the consequence of, of his behavior. But understand something. When you are walking in divine favor and you're walking in divine prosperity and divine blessings, the fact that he had that consequence of deception to be there is no skin off his back. You know why? Because they can take stuff, but they can't take favor. Come on, y'all. I'm about to bless somebody. They can come grab your stuff, but they can't take your favor. They can try to take you, they think they're gonna mess you up by taking this or telling you you can't have that. Cool. But they can't take your favor. Because just because you think you have taken something from me, you think you got me down, you don't know me. You don't know me. The God I serve is greater than your ability to take my stuff. You can get, you can get that, okay. So you took all the speckled spotted. You think, you think God, knowing that I need speckled and spotted in order to prosper, is not going to make everything speckled and spotted? What you did was you have not placed a consequence on yourself because what you had that could have kept on prospering in the midst of what I had, instead, God's got to take what you had away from you so that I can get what I'm supposed to have. Because either way, the blessing God has 
for me is for me. What God has for me is for me. You can't take that. I don't care what happens. I don't care what power of a consequence I'm under. If God wants me to be blessed, I'm going to be blessed. Yes, I got to deal with some things. I got to deal with ignorant folks. Yes, my uncle is an idiot. I got to deal with him. But at the same time, if God spoke a favor over my life, no devil in hell can take my favor. Nobody. <clears throat> no supervisor. No leader on a job. No, no HR committee. Nobody, nobody, no judge, no lawyer, no doctor, nobody can take your favor. Just like God promised. Jacob begins to breathe the sheep and breathe the goats and favor takes over and all of a sudden what were regularly skinned, regularly furred sheep and goats start having babies that are speckled and dark. Because what God has for me is gonna happen. Now brother, you could have had your stuff growing and God could have grew my speckled dark and spotted ones right next to yours. But since you trying to be slick, Keep those speckled, sparkled, dark ones over there three days journey away as your reward because I'm going to take what you have and I'm going to leave you the sickly ones because all the healthy, good ones are coming with me. Okay, I got I to gotta keep pressing. I, I've, got, I've got a whole piece I could do uh, now about Jacob's attempt to peel back the pole and but I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to move you on because I got, I, got, I got a couple more things I want to say before I close tonight. I got a couple more things. I got, I got two more things I want to raise before I go. Because of what he's gone through, because he's damaged, because of how he has lived his life, he remains unabashedly, that is without embarrassment, distrustful. Unabashedly, distrustful. You know, it's tough when you live not trusting anybody. And he wasn't even embarrassed about it. I just, look, I don't trust them. I don't, I don't trust them. I know what they do. I know, I know he's, 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 he's a, 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 a deceiver. You notice the text teaches us, verse 2 says, that Jacob noticed a change in the attitude of Laban. Now, it, verse one, it says that he even heard the, uh, Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away everything that our father has. He knows that there's a change in attitude. He sees what's happening. And he has now got to the place where he distrustful of this man. I don't trust him no more. He gonna try and do me in. And I said he's unabashedly, he's unashamed, unashamedly, if you will, distrustful, because what he does is he calls his wives. You know, the Lord, the Lord said to Jacob, return to your fatherland. I'll talk about that in a moment. Verse, verse, verse four, verse four says, Jacob sent 
and called Rachel and Leah to his, his flock, uh, to his flock in the field. And he said to them, I see, I'm reading the Amplified Version, if you will, and I'm in verse five for those who try to follow me along. Amplified Version, chapter 31, verse five. I see a change in your old man, or your father, I mean, that is not friendly towards me as he was before. But the God of my father, Isaac, has been with me. You know that I've served your father with all my strength, yet your daddy has cheated me as often as possible and changed my wages 10 times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. Notice he says, God did not allow him to hurt me. Look here. <clears throat> Even when you're dealing with consequences, God is not going to let you get hurt but so much. Woo! Preach wise. Even when you're dealing with your punishment, your punishment is not going to be more than you can bear. Come on back. I'm preaching in here tonight. He, sa he says, he says, uh, if he said the speckle shall be your, your wages, the entire flock gave birth to speckle. And, and he said, if he said the streak of your wages, the entire flock gave birth, birth to streak. Thus God has taken away the flocks of your father and given them to me. He is, he is unabashedly distrustful and he speaks his mind to his wives and says to both of them, look, you need to understand something. I need to tell you this without shame in my game. I don't trust your father. I don't trust my situation. I don't believe that this is right. It's time to go. We got to get up out of here. I don't believe. And, and, and he's that way because he can see the signs. He can see the signs. Listen to me closely. He's hearing from God. Don't forget that. And I'll come to that as the last part of this text. He's hearing from God, but he's also watching and discerning people. Listen, listen, listen. If you're going to live your faith in these stressful times, you want to have your ear to heaven and you want to have your eyes on the earth. Do it again, Was You want to have your ear to heaven and your eyes on the earth. One of the reasons later on Moses can say unto, unto, unto Jethro, be unto us eyes, he can say that because he needs eyes in the earth realm because he already has an ear towards heaven in hearing the voice of God. You've got to have your ear to heaven and your eyes on the earth. You need to remain in a position that you are always discerning what's going on around you, that you're not simply taking things as you think they are, or as you desire them to be, or as you wish them to be, but you see life for what it is, and you are discerning the truth. So that you are, you are at a position where I don't want to just go off and live on some flowery bed of thought that everything's going to work out the way I dream, wish, or aspire it to. Instead, I'm going to ask God to give me the spirit of discernment that I can know just what's going on and see and discern the time. That, that, that doesn't mean that I want you to walk around doubting everybody and being mean to people. No, I just want you not to be embarrassed if you're looking around trying to see 
what God is doing in the earth realm. Finally, finally, the last, the last thought I want to leave you with, and I know I've given y'all so much tonight. Some of y'all got to go back and you got to reread the text. And you like, you know, I, I've seen this text a hundred times. I ain't never seen some of this stuff Bishop done come up with tonight. And I just, I got to pray for Bishop or pray for me one. Listen, <laughs> I'm having fun. Last thing, last thing. I said repeatedly tonight that he is under the consequences of his previous behavior. But while dealing with that, he is undeniably directed by God. He's undeniably directed by God. Now this is important, brothers and sisters. Verse three it says, chapter 31 verse three says, the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers. Chapter 31, verse 11 says, an angel of God said to me in the dream. Stay with me. Verse three, God says, time to go back to the land of your fathers. Verse 11 says, he says, and the angel of the Lord has spoken to me in a dream. The way I understood what to look for, how to breathe, was because God has been speaking to me in dreams and in visions. And because I've been getting dreams and visions, I know what God is doing. I've heard God talk to me, and because of what God has said for me, I know what God wants me to do. Let me help somebody right here. It's important you hold on to this. I don't care you can look around your life and say, man, I'm dealing with some stuff that I, you know, I've, I've sown some bad seeds and I'm dealing with some things I've got to deal with. You know, I, I made this bill and I got to figure out how I'm going to pay it off. I got to deal and get my credit back up. I'm going to work through this to get my rating back up and get back into the house. I made some mistakes. I got to deal with those mistakes. I lost something here. I got to deal with that, but I'm going to deal with it. And I want to tell you this, good news. Despite the fact that you may have made mistakes, this, despite what may have gone wrong in your life, bad decisions, bad choices, God has not left you. And one of the ways you know tonight God hasn't left you is he sent me here tonight to put you back into peace of mind to remind you that you're still his and he's still yours and that he loves you and that he's still taking care of you even while you deal with some things. So if you hear this tonight and you're in prison, I wanna tell you this, you may have to pay for your penalties for what you've done, but I want you to know God loves you and that you, there's life beyond prison and that you are going to be able to get out. If, if it's for you to get out, you will get out and you can still make a life. You have to realize, if you're sitting here now, you listen to me now, you say, I made a bad choice. I'm in this situation and I've got to get out of it. Yes, you may have to get out of it and it may cost you something. It may be difficult to get away from it, but at the same time, just know God loves you, that God will direct you, that God will be on your side, and that God will take care of you. If you will trust God, God will trust you with his divine direction. If you will trust God, God will trust you with his divine direction. And God will speak to you. And God will show you what you need to do.
I close with these words. In the midst of it all, in the midst of everything Jacob had to deal with, in the midst of all of it, he experienced prosperity by providence. And that is a manifestation of divine care. A manifestation of divine care. In other words, while all that stuff is going on, God promised, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I'll cause you to prosper. Even in the midst of a pandemic, I'll cause you to prosper. I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. I'll bless you. Because see, some of us, we give up on people when they make mistakes. God doesn't. We dislike people and hate them forever because they went the wrong direction. God doesn't. We want to throw people away and we live in a canceled culture that this person is through forever. Thank God, God doesn't. Yeah, might have to deal with some consequences, but good news about God is that he goes through it with me. The consequence of the choice of the Hebrew boys of not bowing to Baal was to go through the fire, go in the fiery furnace. They went in three. God did not keep them from it. I go back to the top of my argument. God did not keep them from it, but God went in the furnace with them. They deal, dealt with the consequence of disobeying the, an earthly king, but by dealing with that consequence, when they came back out, testimonies made, did not we put in three, yet there are four. But in the second testimony is made, look here, don't y'all mess with the God of these Hebrews. Because of what they went through, the God of the Hebrew people was lauded and applauded. In other words, how they handled it, God was lauded and applauded. And I will show you the same thing in what God will prove himself and make you have to laud our God above every God even while Jacob had a deal with the consequences. Well, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I hope y'all getting something out of this. You keep living your faith. I know these are stressful times, but we got something for you. We've got the Lord on our side. Thank God for each one of you. Thank you for joining me online tonight. Thank you. I'm so excited about these teachings. I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling like God wants to say a word to you. And I hope you are enjoying this breakdown of text, this understanding of Holy Scripture in a bold way. Now, let me give you this before we close tonight. I want to tell you how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. And I want to let you know if you're listening to us tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus and the pardon of your sins, Get in touch with us. It's very easy. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge you as my personal Savior. Let me tell you something. You can pray the sinner's prayer and believe God and you shall be saved. You know what? I believe that you really ought to call me. Connect with us. The phone numbers are listed. Email us here at the church. And we'd love to be in contact with you because we know that God loves you. Saints, those of you who join us tonight, 
I want you to remember to give in our benevolent gifts. These offerings come on these Tuesday nights. Go to the benevolent ministry. Our document takes care of those resources and begins to bless the others who are in need. Continue to support it. You know how to do it. Cash app, Givelify, or you can mail it in. We love you and we want you to continue to do that.